0: Welcome to Ridge to Ridge Outdoors podcast. Based out of Southern California, we talk hunting, tips and tactics, the outdoors, and everything in between to help our fellow hunters find success. Brought to you by Victory Archery, the carbon arrow experts. Supported by schoutdoors.com, the largest Southern California hunting forum. Sponsored by Archery Geeks Custom Strings. Use promo code Ridge15 to save 15% off your order. Alrighty, guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Ridge Ridge Outdoors podcast. Uh, today, we uh, got a, a special guest, um, Bill Gaines. He's the principal of Gaines and Associates. And then we have Steve Trigoliato. He is a, a Fish and Wildlife Commissioner for San Diego. Um, before we start getting into this, I, I just want to pass it over to Bill and, and have him introduce himself to you guys. Bill?
1: Well, Thank you very much. First of all, guys, I wanted to thank you for having me on. It's always a pleasure to to help get word out on what's going on and I'm hunting and fishing and and all the crazy things at the Capitol in front of the commission. But uh, yeah, my name is Bill Gaines. I'm the principal of Gaines and Associates. We're a uh, advocacy firm, if you will, that uh, focuses solely on wildlife conservation and hunting and fishing related issues. Uh, And the way I got into that, it's funny because back in college, I didn't want to have anything to do with politics. I mean, if you would have brought up politics when I had a beer in my hand some Friday night, I'd probably walk the other direction. Right. Hated politics, and frankly, still do,
2: right? <laughs> but, uh,
1: you know, I, I, I've always loved to hunt and fish. I mean, i took I, I got my first BB gun, I don't know, was that maybe six, something like that? And, you know, worked my way up, Pelican, shotgun, you name it, and I've, I've hunted every spare minute I've had my entire life, and if I wasn't hunting, I was fishing. You know, but when I got out of college, I didn't major in poli-sci. I actually majored in agricultural and managerial economics. But uh, I ended up going to work for a defense firm because that's when Reagan was president. And there was a whole lot of jobs in defense, and they paid pretty well. So I went to work for Rocky Missiles from Space down in the Bay Area, got into government relations down there. And then when uh, when the Reagan era came to the end, along with the Cold War, Era and they were cutting way back on, on defense spending. They were laying off like crazy. So I actually saw an ad in the paper. Yeah, Back then, you had to actually look in the paper. You could go online. There right. was no online.
2: I but know, right.
1: The, my wife cut out an ad. It was actually for California Waterfowl Association. I was already a member because the place that I worked at, uh, you know, on the table at their dinner every year. So I was a member, and they had an ad for a government affairs director, and I'm thinking, holy smokes. You know, that's how like they could be really cool to work for an organization that, that's all about ducks and duck hunting, right? And so, anyway, funny thing is I had a lot of government affairs experience when it came to dealing with Army, Navy, Air Force, Raytheon, and the various, you know, prime and subcontractors. I had that kind of experience, but I didn't have any kind of experience at all when it came to the fishing Game Commission or the state legislature. So, on my true story, on my way to the interview... I had to stop at the library and do some research on, on the state legislature. So I knew what I was talking about when I got into the interview, <laughs> you know. But uh, nevertheless, you know, went through three or four interviews with him and eventually got the job. And that was back in 1992. And, uh, and I've been doing it ever since. I was with California Waterfowl for about 15 years as their director of government affairs. And then uh, went to another organization called the California Outdoor Heritage Alliance that was partially funded by CWA. And and we ran that for about seven or eight years and and then shut that down and opened my own firm, which is Gaines and Associates. That was back in 2013 and been doing it ever since and have the absolute honor and privilege of representing groups like California Deer Association, Rocky Mountain Elf, National Wild Turkey Federation, California Houndsmen for Conservation, California Bowman Hunters, and and so on, and, and, and several more. So I'm blessed enough to where I can do Every day, you know, lobby simply for things that I care deeply about, not the typical contract lobbyist that goes out there and it's just a hired gun lobbying for something he may or may not even believe in. Right. But I believe in what I do and I do what I do because I believe in it and I care about Future of hunting and, and wildlife as much as anybody out there, if not more. So I'm I'm blessed to be able to advocate for something I really care deeply about.
0: Right. That's uh. That's quite. That's pretty cool, actually. To be completely honest with you, it's it's the fact that you're able to do something that you love. You know, you're passionate about, and make a living out of it. You know, so that that that's super cool. Um,
3: and 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 we thank you, Bill. Yeah. Um, as a as a hunter here, and yeah, a lot. I've been following you for. Well, since 1992. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's great. I really appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate
1: it. that, guys. You know, and, and the funny thing is, is that, you know, because I'm walking the halls of the Capitol nearly every day when they're in session, except for right now, by the way, yeah. <laughs> because the Capitol shut down, too. But, uh, you know, 99% of the people in the third house, that's what they call the, the folks that lobby. Right. You know, ninety nine percent of them. I mean, they know very little about what they're lobbying for. At least they don't have a passion for it. But I mean, I can go in there and I I can talk to talk or walk the walk with anybody. You know, on on any hunting related issue or fishing related issue. So right. So that's something that the most lobbyists just simply don't have the the ability to do.
0: How how do you how do you handle that? Like when you're in there lobbying and you hear this, uh, you know, rhetoric or whatever coming at you from the other end. Like how do you not. Just lose it, you know, and be like, "You have you know, no I, idea." I get asked what you're
1: talking that all about. the time. Yeah, I, I get I get asked that all the time, and and it, you know, I I got to work with them another day, you know, and, and of course, reputation, you know, stands large, you know. I I got to make sure that I don't do something that's gonna, you know, that's gonna somehow harm my ability to be effective on the next issue. I mean, I, I guess I maybe I've become thick-skinned. You know, I've been you know walking those halls for 30 years here, and a couple of years, about 28 years now, and and the stuff I hear today and day to day there, it it just makes you cringe. Right. But I'm just so used to hearing it. I mean, the overwhelming majority of of legislators in that building are come from urban areas. I mean, that's right. just the way California breaks down, right? And and very very few, not all of them, but very very few of them, know nothing about know nothing about hunting, know nothing about firearms. Right. And, and, you know, their constituencies that represent places like, you know, you know, L.A., San Francisco and so forth, their constituencies know very little about, you know, hunting and wildlife either or firearms. And and so and they're writing legislation on stuff that they know very little about, but stuff that they think is going to appeal to, to their districts. Right. And yeah, it, it's frustrating, you know, but after a while, you, you just get to the point where, you know, I've heard everything at least five times and you just you kind know, of learn to, to live and fight another day.
0: Right. It's crazy to me that uh, at the end of the day, you sit there and you you basically go to battle with these guys to to fight on behalf of us. And do you ever feel like you're getting somewhere?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you one thing that I should say is we are constantly trying to educate the legislators on our issues. I mean, California has term limits, right? Right. So, I mean, once you've served 12 years, you're gone. So I don't care how good or bad of a legislator, legislator you may be, but, you know, you know, and that's a double-edged sword because it gets rid of some terrible legislators, but we lose some good ones occasionally too, right? You know, but the other factor that term limits bring forth is, is you're constantly educating these folks. You may get a legislator from the Bay Area somewhere that, that actually is supportive of guns or likes to shoot trap or right. maybe likes to duck hunt or whatever, you know, or you you get somebody that wants to learn more about it. You educate them on the role of, of hunting, you know, and fishing, the revenue streams, you know, what that does for the Department of Fish and Wildlife, what, you know, private landowners do on the ground because they like done. all of those things. You educate them about that and you turn them into the wind a little bit to where you might get them on a boat you really need and boom, they're gone, right. you know, and, and so, you know. Staff become more and more important because the staff, they may change offices, but, but they don't leave the capital very often. So right. it, it's a nonstop, constant educational process trying to get these guys to understand the, the positive things that hunters do for wildlife conservation.
0: Right. Now, when you explain that to them, as far as like um, the amount of revenue that hunter hunters and fishermen bring into the the system, do they do they look at you and just kind of roll their eyes?
1: you know a lot of times you you can tell i mean you read body language like it's like talking to you know anybody somebody you may meet and you know anywhere else you can read their body language sometimes sometimes they're just they're just meeting with you because okay you know i'm going to vote the way i'm going to vote on this bill don't care what you say but i do owe you a meeting and, and and you can kind of feel that right you know i've i've sat in meetings with with members or, or their top staff whoever's working the bill that we may be working and and had a really in-depth conversation and and have them take down maybe two sentences of notes and that's it and you know after the meeting's over it's like okay thank you you know and and off they go so right. yeah it, it it's very frustrating but occasionally you'll sway a vote and it's it's amazing how close we've come to killing some some really critical bills I mean the bobcat bill AB twelve fifty four that was signed into law last year that now outlaws you know, the hunting of bobcats, we came within one vote of killing that in the Senate Policy Committee. One vote. And that that committee hearing room was full of animal rights folks. and there was like four of us that were trying to kill the bill. One vote, and that was it. We came amazingly close. Same thing on the hound bill that that took uh, dogs, you know, out of play for bears and bobcats back in 2012. Came within one vote of killing that bill. So, yeah, we, we make progress, and occasionally we'll, we'll pull one off, but every election cycle it gets tougher and tougher because we lose more seats when it comes to uh, folks that really care about the future of our fishing and hunting heritage.
2: Right, right.
0: Well, speaking of bobcats, that, that was a mm-hmm. hot topic in 2019.
3: I, uh, because yeah. me, me and John,
0: we have a platform here that we speak to a lot of people in Southern California, and we've had multiple people reach out to us and say, hey, talk about this issue right they they want to know why this went into effect and and how come it went into effect the way it did like mid season guy i it's not a, you know it's not a lot of money over the tag but the reality is it's principle they took something from hunters that paid for uh, a tag and ended the season prematurely but right. took their money for it
4: what was behind the bobcat ban what was the driving force besides the animal rights or cruelty people
1: it- It was a classic case of of what I just referred to a few minutes ago of an urban legislator, in this case, Cam Langer Dove from the Los Angeles area, freshman legislator. I mean, last year was her her first year in the building, just got elected, knows nothing about Bobcats, I promise you, because uh, I watched her testify in committee and she knows nothing about them. You know, but she had some constituents of hers. Oh, well, gee, these things are cute they're fuzzy, they're they're trophies, you know, they don't eat them, they just skin them, and that's not true, I have a bobcat recipe. You know, but, you know, all those types of arguments that just make it sound like it's just an absolute cruel thing to go out and hunt bobcats. The other thing that hurt us on it was the fact that the Department of Fish and Wildlife doesn't really have, you know, a current bobcat management plan. If you ask the department, how many bobcats do we have, they're going to say, we don't know, but they'll also tell you, we know we got plenty, right? And, And the only reason why they don't have a bobcat management plan or a current one anyway, is because the department, you know, has got limited revenue and limited staff and there's a whole lot of species out there that that desperately need a management plan because we know that their species populations may be in some kind of trouble. Bobcats aren't one of them. And, and so they never rose to the top of the heap when it came to doing bobcat management plans. So that was kind of a little bit of our soft wide underbelly. We couldn't stand on a not a current management plan for them, but you had a legislator from Los Angeles area sure. that knew nothing about Bobcats other than the fact that, that you know, she thought that they were cute and then people were saying, gee, we shouldn't be killing these things. And and there you go. And, and unfortunately, the bulk of the people in that building, you know, know, know more about Bobcats than she does. I'll give, you, I'll give you another couple of related stories. That was Assembly Bill 1254. I may have mentioned that. Uh, in the hearing that I just mentioned where we came within one vote of killing it, true story, the room was so packed. I Myself and another gentleman were scheduled to give lead testimony on that. And the way the, the policy hearings work almost all the time is you get two two uh, witnesses that do what they'll call lead testimony. They'll give them three, four, five, ten, ten normally not ten, but three or four or five minutes to provide their their arguments, right? Both in, in support and in opposition. And then after that they do what they call me-toos, which is anybody else that wants to oppose this bill come up to the mic, say who you are, who you represent, that's it. You can't start making your arguments as to why you think the bill ought to you know, be passed or, or killed, right? So I was providing lead testimony with somebody else. We couldn't even get into the hearing room because the opposition always goes second, right? So the, the support and their two lead, their two lead uh testifiers were going up before us. The room was so full, we had to stand outside. We couldn't even get in the room. So when they got done testifying and all the, the Me Too's did their thing on the support side, then then they brought the opposition in, which was myself and like three other people. And, and the only two of us could provide lead testimony. So we did our thing. And then we had, you know, a, two or three handfuls of, of the Me Too's and that was it. So then they started asking questions. Well, they, they bring the author back up. Langer Dove, Assemblywoman Langer Dove, and then she brings up her biologist. And so they start asking her biologist questions. And he goes, I want it this is what her biologist said. He goes, he goes, bobcats are so rare in this state that oh I've been a bobcat biologist for X number of years, I don't remember how many, but, you know, for apparently quite some time. He goes, I've only seen three in my life. Wow. And I, it was all I could do but fall out of my chair, right? He probably, probably saw like, all three in his neighborhood. Jesus. What's that? He
0: probably <laughs> saw all three of them in his neighborhood, too, you know?
1: Well, unbelievable. I mean, yeah, you know, I've uh, never even gone out looking for bobcats, but I've seen a hell of a lot more than three, and I live in a rural area. i got yeah. trail cams on my property. They're all over my trail cams. Right. I yeah. mean, it's like bobcats are plentiful. And if you're a bobcat biologist and you've only seen three, that just goes to show just the, the type of people that that – will lay arguments out in support of, of, you know, ripping away our hunting heritage. Right. I mean, the arguments they play are just absolutely just it, frankly wow. embarrassing. That's just, it's
0: crazy. It's the, it, you know, the fact that the state uh, – see, it's crazy to me because they, they, they ban bobcat hunting, but they don't have the science to back it up, and if they were right. just to ask the common folk that's out there, they would say, yeah, we see them all the time, or, you know, we see a few a season, or what, whatever the deal is. But ultimately – it, that population goes unchecked. I mean, it, it it's crazy. They they don't look long term. Like, what is the state biologist or whoever you know, fishing games biologist? They got to have their own opinions on it.
1: Yeah, Bill. Well, I, let, let I, me tell you how that works because that's frustrating too. You know, the, the Department of Fish and Wildlife works for the governor. My question, right? and, and this goes for all the departments, you know, statewide. And and so they cannot take a position on the on his bill, support or oppose unless the governor gives them the green light to do so. Now, they'll request positions an awful lot. You know, we want to support this bill for these reasons. We want to oppose this bill for these reasons. Very rarely will the governor give them the green light to take a position. And in the case of AB-1254, in private conversations with the department, they hated that bill, but they couldn't do anything about it because the governor never never gave them the green light to oppose it. In fact, they wouldn't – the department would never – they can't even confirm whether they even asked for a position. But in this case, I'm sure they probably did. And and the governor, you know, said no. In other words, you're just going to stay silent on it. So they can't even show up at the hearing. Right. Anyway, so sure. I mean, I know the department didn't like this
2: bill.
4: Oh, yeah. so That's real, interesting, though, the, how that is. works. It is it's crazy. The regular, I, I had no idea. So, it was like so that. basically,
0: what Bill is saying right now to Their all are, to, to yeah. all the listeners is that because Gavin Newsom hasn't had a bad experience with bobcats, it's going to stay banned. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what you yeah. just
3: said. <laughs> but not. In know, and,
1: and, and, well, true, but it, yeah. it just. For whatever reason, regardless of who the governor is, very rarely—at least in recent memory—whether it be Schwarzenegger or or Gray or or Brown or whoever—very rarely do they give their department, at least the Department of Fish and Wildlife, anyway, the position to uh, to take a position. Right. So, I mean, they obviously yeah. they
0: do have issues that are that are um, just crazy. Pl- Plenty on the table, but I mean, fishing, you know, wildlife management is a big issue. I mean, it, it means a lot to people that hunt and don't hunt and fish and don't fit you know i mean it's a big issue that that's to me that's crazy now in regards to mountain lions i mean i'm sure you've covered that a million times but is oh that Lord. something else that the governor would have to give his um like grace uh for okay. fish and wildlife to just have their input as well
1: if there's if, if it's in legislation absolutely yeah, yeah. now here, here's the deal though i mean we have a fishing game commission Steve sits on, we also have county commission, Steve sits on the one down in San Diego County, as as he mentioned earlier in this podcast. You know, decisions that are made dealing with our natural resources, whether it be wildlife, water, you pick something, they ought to be made by the Fish and Game Commission. That's what the Fish and Game Commission is there for. They were created 150 years ago, 1870. In fact, this is their 150th anniversary this year in 2020 specifically to define natural resource policy. And when things come in front of the Fish and Game Commission, and I know Steve's been at plenty of these meetings, and, and maybe John, you, and Brandon have too. I don't know. But the department is right there. The department is the commission's biological right arm, if you will.
2: Sure. And, yeah. and the
1: department will bring forth their science. And, and anybody from the – those are public meetings. Anybody from the public is welcome to bring forth whatever science they want to bring forth. I mean, those meetings are transparent. Every issue has to be heard three times. It has to be noticed then another hearing, discussed, and then a final hearing, adoption, one way or the other, right? I mean, it, it's thorough, it, it's public, it, and it's based on science, not based on emotions, which is what happens in front of the fishing game or in front of the state legislature. So one of our primary arguments on any bill that comes up, whether it have to do with bobcats, mountain lions, bears, you name it, is that this is an issue that should be dealt with by the fishing game commission and not by the state legislature because right. the commission allows science to be brought to the table, you know, and, and the state legislature just simply doesn't care
0: about Now, that. Now tell me this, Bill, how come that is? How come it is flip-flopped? Because I've mentioned that in a previous podcast. Uh, I think we were talking, I don't know who we were talking to. We were talking to like, I was talking to, uh, Patrick Foy from California fish and wildlife. I know
1: Patrick. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: we actually had him on as well. And I want to say, I mean, I don't exactly know, but I had brought that up. It's like, how come our fish and wildlife commissioners aren't making the regulations? Right. And why are we allowing it to go to the Senate level? You know, how come that is? The state
1: legislature has the authority to make these decisions if they want to. I mean, you know, they, whatever the, the legislature does, trumps what the commission does. So the commission could say bobcat season is going to open, you know, on this day and close on this day. And the kitchen comes along and says, nope, you're not going to hunt bobcats anymore. Well, then, you know, the commission or the, the uh, legislature rather says that. Then, you know, so, so it is, right? I mean, right. the legislature has senior authority, if you will, over the fishing Game Commission. And when they want to get engaged in this kind of stuff, they can unfortunately we try to educate when i talked about education earlier in this podcast we try to educate the legislature all the time about the fact that there is a fishing game commission i mentioned term limits right i mean these new legislators cam lang or dev being one they come in they don't even know the fishing game commission is out there i brought that up with the commission several times most recently last year it said we have got to do something to educate new legislators and frankly old ones too on the fact that the commission is here here's what its charter is it's it's even mentioned in the state constitution right and and it is the proper theater to be making natural resource decisions and here's why and explain to them their very thorough public transparent process and so on and so forth so the legislature will Take their issue somewhere else and just stay away from natural resource policy. I told the commission that we've got to tell these legislators who you are, how you operate, because they've got a great process, right? Right. And I said the year anniversary in 2020 is the perfect year to do it. So we tried to do that. We actually had a rally scheduled for the Capitol Steps to recognize their 150th anniversary for April 2nd. Well, April 2nd comes along and the Capitol shut down because of COVID 19. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we we tried, and we we're doing a resolution to be read on the floor of the House, of the Assembly, and, and the Senate, to use that as another vehicle for educating the commission or the legislature as to who the commission is. Can't do that either. So we've kind of been bit on that, but we're trying to educate them more and more about the commission, so they'll lay off of bills like this. Right. right
0: so but, so but, it, if that did happen, and it turns out to be a win. So it would be a big win for the outdoors men and women of California if that did happen. Right. And it went our way.
1: Oh, well, if, if the legislature said, you know what, they're right. It's a great process over there. We've got enough things to do to not tinker with natural resource policy. That would be a huge win for us. Yeah. Frankly, the, the, in the commission, you got five members. They're all appointed by the governor and six year terms. And once they're confirmed by the Senate, they're on, the governor can't yank them once right. they've been confirmed. Right. You know, mm. so They can go ahead and vote the way that they think they ought to vote without feeling any kind of political pressure. And right now, and I've been working the commission since 1992, we've got a darn good commission right now. Right. We really do. I'd be comfortable with them making a decision on anything. Of course, with the department in the room, bringing science for it and allowing folks like you and I and others to testify, you know, as as well. But uh, no, I, it's a good system. And if we could, convince the legislature to lay off of their issues and let the commission take care of those. Right. That would be a massive win for the, uh, for the outdoor community. No question.
0: Well, sweet. That's uh that, that's a uh, good stuff to come. Hopefully it works out in our favor. You know, uh, let's kind of, let's kind of turn tactics a little bit and, and I kind of want to discuss this because California has, uh, a black bear season in the fall. My, I've kind of wondered this for a while and, and I've actually gotten more vocal about it with my buddies and whatnot ever since this COVID stuff popped off because it, I'm not, I can't go and get a non-resident tag at Idaho. I wanted to chase uh spring bears, right? Black bears. Mm-hmm. And I just went, well, my state has a healthy population. How come we don't have a spring bear season? Like do you have any insight on that?
1: Yeah, I got, I got a little insight on that. I mean, I all agree wholeheartedly with you. I mean, California is, Bear populations are off the charts. In fact, the department, since they've been keeping track of bear numbers, they'll tell you right now that the bear populations right now are the highest on record. Highest on record. I mean, they're on the news every night and somebody's swimming pool or whatever, right? I mean, we're talking about in L.A. and we're not yeah. talking about way out in, in the boonies. Right. I mean, we have too many bears. And, and the funny thing is, people always complain about mountain lions, and that's for good reason. But they complain about mountain lions because mountain lions kill deer. Well, we've done, we, California Deer Association, in, in concert with California Department of Fish and Wildlife, has done studies right. on bears, and and they take 80, at least in the study areas that we've done, 80% of the fawns are killed in the first month of their life by bears. Not by mountain lions, but by bears, 80% of them. Yeah. yeah, And then, of course, on top of that, bears are chasing mountain lions off of adult deer kills. And what mountain lion got to do, he's got to go kill another one. Right. So, I mean, if anything's devastating deer populations in this state, and deer populations are in trouble in general, it's bears. Right. More so than mountain lions. But, but yeah. so everybody agrees we have got to find a way to manage bears. That's, Can't use dogs anymore. That was Senate Bill 1221.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Wrong. I mean, that
1: was back in and that had a huge impact. You guys probably know that you know our annual quota is 1700 bears. Yeah. We haven't even scratched close to that since dogs were taken. That that's
0: probably. what I was just going to ask you was what like do we even hit the quota anymore without bears?
1: No. No, we haven't even come close. I mean, it bounces around. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but you know, maybe a thousand bears, maybe 1200, you know, but we're hundreds short of that quota right you know and, and when we had dogs we get the quota damn near every year right. right we're not doing that anymore and so what are those what are those bears doing they're going out and you know and then they're creating more bears so, so the bear populations are getting worse and worse but i'll tell you in senate bill 1221 you know back eight years ago is one indicator bears are one of the hot buttons In the state legislature. Currently. For whatever reason, animal rights folks in California have an absolute love affair with bears. Deer, not so much. Elk, not so much. Mallards, pintail, I mean, not so much. But bears and bobcats. And you may remember Senate Bill 1221, not only outlawed running hounds on bears, but also on bobcats. Yeah. Right? You know, and then last year's bill that we've talked about already, AB 1254, I got that language before that bill was even introduced because some of my contacts in the Capitol said this one's coming, right? And so they they tipped me off. It had bears in the language. It was going to outlaw the hunting of bears and bobcats. And then the proponents of the bill, the animal rights folks that were sponsoring the bill and the author decided to take bears out because they knew it would make the bill a little bit tougher the past and we had a new governor. We had Gavin Newsom in, big track record on homelessness and, and a lot of other things, you know, during his years as mayor of San Francisco, but really no track record on, on hunting and wildlife related issues, right? So even the legislature is going, members of his own party are going, we don't know how he's going to handle a, a bill like this. If we can get it to his desk, let's make it a little bit easier by taking bears out, right? Because they didn't want to have bears in there for that, you know. But bears are a real hot button for the animal rights folks. right? And and so, in fact, you mentioned you, you sit down with some of the leadership of the Department of Fish and Wildlife who will privately complain and say, holy smokes, we've got to find a way to, to harvest more bears. But they don't want anybody to say anything about bears in a public forum when you got the wrong people sitting across the table from you for fear that that will ignite a fire, right? So it, it's a really, really touchy subject. I mean, we, we know that eventually we're going to see legislation at our state capitol that's going to propose outlawing of the hunting of bears across the board, just like the Bobcat bill did last year. Thought we might say, see that bill this year. Didn't happen this year, but guys, fasten your seatbelts. It's going to happen pretty quick. I, I would guess in the next couple of years, we'll see that legislation out there. I mean, so you, you talk about something as to as hunting bears in the spring. When you might have a sow with cubs, you might have a sow that's pregnant. I mean, you know, there's a variety of reasons why trying to bring up we need to have a spring bear season. And it has been brought up. It was somebody petitioned the Fish and Game Commission just a few months ago on this. But trying to force that through I think would result in such a reverse reaction that, that we would see legislation right out of the box that would just flat out Ask for a full out prohibition on the hunting of bears. Well, it's I feel just, it's that touchy of a subject.
0: I feel like at wow. the same time, it's kind of a catch 22 because just like you just said, eventually it's coming down the pipe. So the reality of it is, is if it was brought to the attention as the people want this, right, that the hunters want this, then maybe it would side them away from pushing to all out ban it. You know, I don't, I don't right. know. I'm not a, not i am not well,
3: I think that's part of the problem. Hunters do not either care or want it that badly really yes how many bear hunters do you know well i, I live in san diego i don't I know i know like zero yeah and so what bill's saying is that when we're overpowered yeah and, and bill i mean how many hunters show up at a meeting that you know protest these kind of things i mean i have an issue down here in san diego right now with them closing barrett lake the waterfowl hunting i can't get a handful of people to call the city of San Diego to protest this, and Gosh, that's. I,
1: I'm, tell, I'm telling you, Steve. Uh, I, I feel your pain. I, it's amazing. I go out with reports to my clients all the time. Tell your members this. Here's who you're right. Here's here's the email. You send it to all of that type of stuff, and you can hear a pin drop. Yeah. I mean, it, it's yeah. amazing how many hunters, they just want to go out and hunt. I don't blame yep. them. I just want to go out and hunt too, right? Yep. But they don't realize, even though we've already lost dogs for bears, now we've lost bobcat hunting, we almost lost doves a few years ago. I can go yep. on and on and on. Yep. I mean, we've got we've got evidence that says, guys, either you get engaged yep. or we're going to lose it, and you still can't get them engaged. I'll give the houndsmen, though, an exception yep. because when Senate Bill 1221 was being debated at the capitol eight years ago and i've been doing the capitol for 30 almost right i have never seen so many people show up for a hearing in my life we had about 700 people show up they were lined up four across all the way out of the hearing room all the way down the long hall and out the door it was amazing and even legislators at, you know both sides of the aisle after that hearing we we're going holy smoke. That was impressive I'd never seen anything like that before I'd never seen anything like that since right, but right. the committee still voted Yeah to pass the
0: bill that, and that's what I was just gonna say all that big turnout and, and what did it do? It didn't it yeah, change right. the outcome of the bill and that that's the no. sad thing the, the fact that individuals that um, have nothing no business making regulations are making regulations and i think that that's the bigger issue i i think you know we're, we're sitting here worried about all these rights being taken away from us but the reality is it's the people that are making these these uh decisions on our behalf that have no business doing it it's almost like a case needs to brought uh, a case needs to be brought up in a way that's like hey look you guys have no business uh making these decisions for us. And we are the people we want to have the commissioners make it, you know?
1: Uh, Absolutely. And, and we make that argument every time a a bill comes to the surface that deals with, with wildlife. I'll give you another classic example. The number one goal of any elected official and certainly this applies to to the ones we have down in our state Capitol is not to pass you know, bill a or bill B or whatever, but to get reelected. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, they want to make sure they're floating legislation that regis- that resonates, you know, with their constituency. Yeah. Problem is you get into some of these urban districts. You know, I guarantee a Camlager Doves district. She probably doesn't have more than maybe five or 10 at the most members of her, or uh, people in our entire district that, that have ever hunted bobcats. Right. right. You know, I'll yeah. give you a, another class example, Steve, you're down in San Diego, well, Senate Bill 1041 that's pending right now, which would outlaw the use of dogs to hunt deer, that's a Ben Huayso bill. Yep. You're probably, you probably yes. live in his district,
3: right? He, he mean, lives so, south of me, but I know Ben very well, and I know about him. I mean, this is not his first rodeo on this. Yeah, yeah, you but, know he, too. But he
1: knows nothing. And no, we've he, knows nothing.
3: he knows nothing. He knows legislation. Hunting. Yeah.
1: Right, you yeah. know, dogs. But yeah. if, if, if you guys could rally enough people that do live in this district to say, Ben, this is a bad idea, right? I, you know, I, I vote, I'm a district, you know, blah, blah, blah representative. And, and if, if you don't, you know, uh, change your mind on this, I'm going to vote for somebody else next election cycle. So he hears that enough. That's wow. when you start making a difference. But yeah. like houndsmen, for example, how many houndsmen live in some of the urban districts yes. of these legislators that were voting for Senate Bill 1221? Not Z- very yeah, many. Yeah, Zero. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it, it,
3: well, you know. Bill, that's exactly the issue, part of the issue that I'm having in San Diego. I mean, I represent a county supervisor, but uh-huh. our problem with the city of San Diego is that when you call in, you have to give them your zip code. and right. I'll guarantee you 75% of the people who hunt waterfowl or turkeys for that matter on city property don't live in the city of San Diego. So when you call Faulkner's office, the mayor there there's, you you can't even leave a message. I mean, that is part of the problem. And and so basically what's going to come down to is the bean counters saying they're saving money by closing waterfowling and, and turkeys will be next hunting on Sutherland Lake will be next. And, so that's what we're fighting. I mean, it, it is a tough battle when you get into politics and people who don't do it. And that's what you're referring to yeah. with, with Dove. I mean, she she, you know, probably barely knows a bobcat from a mountain lion. And yet right. here she is making a decision and our fish and wildlife are not making the decision. And I'll tell you, it's it's tough. I mean, and we're up against it. I mean, it, it, just the politics of it here in California have been very its kind of a difficult to deal with.
4: Good transition here, because I've been thinking about what I should ask Bill, but it's become kind of clear. It's as hunters, you know, we're always focused on going hunting and everything like that. But obviously, we need to be focused on the backside, which right. is the rulemaking or how to make it better. Or we're going to sit here and we're going to lose everything yeah, if you don't like pay attention to it. You know, yeah. you want to be a true conservationist. It goes from killing it to putting a suit on or whatever and right. going to the Capitol. Yeah. And, you know, I, and I, I'm listening to this and having Bill, you know, this is a perfect example. And, you know, I'm, I'm 44 years old. I don't act like I act like a 12 year old. but Yeah, you do. Um,
0: <laughs>
4: you know, and I've hunted, you know, my entire life and it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know how to say this, but it's like when you get a little bit older, you start to switch, not necessarily from the killing side of the hunting, you just, you know, to the... It's part of the five stages side. of a hunter.
3: Yeah. 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 That's, That's exactly, exactly right. what it is. Is yeah. that
4: you have to start, you know, becoming yes. the, the steward or the right. liaison between, right. you know, the, I guess, between the yeah. office and the field. Yeah. And Absolutely. And we need to have more of that because it's, you know, a lot of these young hunters that are just, you know, just... Cockstrong strong out there running around like oh yeah i killed this deer i did right. this i did that i was like oh by the way you just lost your rights over there because right. you weren't paying attention so
3: well with social so, media we have less excuses now bill as you know as you know i mean as hunters and fishermen we're secretive by nature we when i was a kid being raised i mean people were tight lipped about spots and hunting and i had lots of friends that hunted but it, there weren't many people boasting about it now is it is a different area with 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 social media and uh, it can be a huge plus for us but again by nature we're secretive so we don't tell people a lot of times and and coming out at a meeting with a suit on is what Bill does for us I mean that that's basically who's representing is people like Bill representing us and it's tough It's really tough. I mean, I'm in that last stage where I put back as much as I can, knowing what I have lost in my seventy two years, what I've seen California what it was to it is today. And folks we're losing. But I'm gonna fight till the bitter end. We need to pay attention.
4: You know, and it's to the younger people out there, you have to pay attention to what is happening around you or you you ain't gonna be able to do it.
0: Yeah, you won't be able to do it here in right. Southern California. And you're going to
4: go, oh, what happened? It's like, because you weren't paying attention. Right. You know, it's right. everybody's like, oh, I'm a conservationist. I was like, oh, yeah, what'd you do? Right. And then they can't answer that besides, oh, I went hunting. They're like, I was like, big deal. Pittman, like,
0: Robinson. <laughs>
4: you know, they, like, they'll yell out that. I mean. You know, we have to support our local organizations. We have to support the, the commission. We have to support our lobbyists. Right. You know.
0: Bill, right. if it's, there was if there was is is. one organization. Say say you got younger hunters that are like, look, they listen to this, they're all fired up, man, we really need to do something, right? And say they don't necessarily have the time. What for those individuals should they do? Say they got a little extra change in their pocket. They want to donate some money or they want to, you know, basically outside of obviously calling their representative. <laughs> Excuse me. But uh what else what else can someone like that do? Like who do they give their money to? Right?
1: Oh gosh, I'm, I'm not going to pick any of the the nonprofits over the other. They all work hard, and, and here's the good news: when I first started with CWA back in the early '90s, they were really the only active yep. hunting-related organization out there politically. Period. Yep. Now we've brought we've brought pretty much all of them into the ball game. They're all politically active now. Most of them are five hundred one c threes, right? So they're limited on how much they can spend on political advocacy but they can't spend some right Right. they just got to make sure that they they stay within the legal limits you know so we are getting all the organizations to the table you know and and it's just a matter now of i'm trying to work with some of them to, to be able to have a better system of reaching out to their membership to get them to weigh in right so but but to touch on your exact question I mean they're all all those organizations are doing good stuff on the ground and they're all starting to get involved politically in one way or another so i mean if you like to hunt turkeys join the national wild Wild turkey federation if you like to hunt elk join rmef i mean join cwa if you like to hunt ducks i mean i can go on and on and And if you like to run dogs my god join the california houndsmen for conservation right or california deer association if you like to hunt deer I mean, become an active member because, you know, they're, they're becoming more and more politically active, you know, and, and on top of that, they're all doing some great stuff on the ground when it comes for habitat as well.
0: Right. Well, you know, speak, speaking of habitat and, and doing great things on the ground. Uh, I kind of want to lean on that and, and kind of uh, get your opinion on, you know, the reports of wolves in, in California, like how, what's that going to do to the landscape and, and the habitat?
2: Let's hear it. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, I actually got—I uh, was grabbed by by Bonham and dropped on the mm. the, the Wolf Management Plan Advisory Committee. And it was, there was like twenty-five of us. This is way back when OR first trickled its way into California. It mm-hmm. was like twenty-five members of the public that were appointed to that committee, and it was like when it came to the hunting side, the wildlife side, it, it was me, a, a representative of. of uh, California deer associations before I represented them representative from RMEF and the representative from the Mule deer Foundation. That was it. And the other like 21 were friends of this, friends of that, you know, center for biological diversity, Humane society. I could go on and on and on and on and on. And on. You know, but yeah, the wolf thing is frustrating. I mean, we've already got bears, you know, blowing our doors off of populations and we know what kind of devastation they're having on, on, deer and other wildlife right i mean mountain lions i mean everybody's well aware of what they're doing i mean we don't need another apex predator you know and and income wolves and and, then this is the one decision we had a different commission back then but but the one decision there's been a couple over the years but that really sent me south was when or7 came in he had a collar on obviously that's how we knew he was here right sure enough he turns and he goes back over the border into oregon and the commission at that time was considering if they should list the gray wolf as an endangered species, species in California. We didn't even have one in the state, right? Right? Yeah. I mean, wow. even OR seven was gone. We didn't even have one in the state. And and if you look at the the uh, history of did we or didn't we ever have a gray wolf in the state? It's kind of all over the map. There's really nothing that's definitive that says, yeah, we did, or or no, we didn't, right? So you could argue that we never had them in the state. So how could you list something that, that the, the science is squishy at best as to whether they were ever here in history and that there's currently not one now? right? So, I mean, that was frustrating. But anyway, the, the commission went ahead and listed them, and, of course, now, you know, we're starting to see more wolves, you know, you know, move in and and they're breeding and so forth, and we're starting to see some really serious impacts on livestock. Yeah. We knew it was going to happen, and these poor ranchers they can't do anything about it. And and if if they if they see a wolf, you know, attacking, you know, some of their their, their livestock, they they can't shoot it. They can't get a depredation permit. They can't do anything. Really, you know. And the animal rights folks will argue, oh, we use lights, we use this. You know, I mean, there's all these different non-lethal ways to. To, to get that wolf out of there. Well, fact is, they don't work.
0: Yeah, I don't buy right. that for a half a second. You ever try to break up a dog fight? Yeah.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. They, <laughs> yes, they don't, they don't have, stop. it could be painful. Yeah. They, and, <laughs> I know, they, I know.
0: Canines <laughs> don't stop when they get after it. So, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a horrible. I mean, it, you know, it, I'm sure there's some biologists here in California that are just rolling right now, you know, going, oh, my God. You know, this is going to devastate. I mean, it, think about well, it. I mean, look what wolves do to other populations in other states.
1: I mean, we actually well, had a meeting way back. with this. Absolutely it yeah. is, and, and I'll give you an example of that. There was a, The only time this commission, our commission, has ever had a joint meeting with another state commission, I've got to guess how many years ago this was. I'm going to guess about eight years ago. They had a joint hearing with the Oregon Fishing Game Commission. I went up to it. It was actually in Oregon, but I went up to that hearing, and, and one of the topics, and this is the reason I went, one of the topics was what's going on in Oregon when it comes to their wolves and their wolf management plan. Right. And sure enough, Oregon was like about 15 years ahead of us. They had a single wolf trickle in there from Idaho. Well, and I don't remember the numbers anymore because it was several years ago, but that was 15 years prior to that. And and of course now they have packs scattered all over the state. Well, Oregon has over a hundred thousand elk and, and elk is, you probably know that's the number one preferred food of the wolf. They'll, they'll eat deer and other critters, but they really prefer elk. Right. Right. And then but Oregon's got a very robust elk population. Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, other places that we're dealing with wolves also have pretty robust, you know, elk populations too. California at that time we had about ten thousand elk total. I mean that wolves could come in here and they could wipe out the elk herd literally in a matter of a few years yeah I mean at least these other states have a little bit of a buffer when it comes to populations but they've still been devastated right
2: right yep.
1: you know I mean California simply can't support you know wolves here I mean that's another species now that we've got them thats we're going to have to find a way to manage them some way, somehow. You just can't let them run amok.
0: You know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, for example, you know, we already have apex predators in California. We have wolves or we have bears, we have lions, you know, bobcats and whatnot. We have apex predators. We bring in wolves. If if a pack of wolves found the elk herd and stayed on them, established roots, it's not necessarily that they're killing, uh, elk once a week or once every week it's what it does to the herd in the long term because if they run up if they run a, a herd of elk in the dead of winter like we don't necessarily have huge horrible winters but what that does is it's the calorie expenditure in those elk that wear them down over time which eventually makes them weaker and weaker so instead of going they're basically getting the pick of the litter over time out of a herd of elk you see what i'm saying right and, it, and no, it, absolutely and then you tack on cats to that, and then you tack on bears to that and it it just adds up. Like how, how does this sustain itself? That well, I guess the that's what I'm getting the wolves at. Wolves
4: also they don't have a breeding season. They breed whenever they're ready. Yeah, I, I get so, it. So There's know? litters all the time.
1: Well and, and, and like you just mentioned, I mean, you know, they'll get on a herd and they'll stay on that herd until that herd is decimated, and then yeah. they'll go find another one, right? But even even the the, the cows that 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 aren't Taken by a wolf, the stress, they've done studies on this, the stress that that having wolves on that that herd of elk puts on those females is to where a lot of times they can't even have, they can't even have calves, right? right? So it cuts down on their productivity for one, it burns calories like you just mentioned as well, and then of course, you know, when they do have a, a calf, you know, then nine times out of 10, it's taken by a wolf. So, yeah, I, it, it's just an absolute recipe rest, for disaster when it comes to our elk in California. It,
0: it's almost like California, the, the individuals that are, are anti-hunters, they they don't quite understand that they're doing more damage to the undulate population in the state based on, you know, predator protection than hunters are doing over years of accumulation, you know what I mean? Like it, 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 it just blows my mind.
3: That's part of the problem. Yeah, you know, and I mean, talking about all these predators. I mean, we haven't even brought up coyotes yet. Oh yeah, and I mean, that's project. <laughs> I mean, Bill's very familiar with Project Coyote, and oh yeah, I mean, Bill. I mean, th- these kind of people, these kind of legislators are are grabbing at the low hanging fruit. This is what they and people listening tonight. If you're a dove hunter, get ready. Because that's low-hanging fruit, too, and Bill knows, I don't remember how many years ago, Bill, remember when they tried to outlaw dove hunting in California? It's a huge activity in California, but yet, there it was, and there was a compromise done.
1: Uh, that yep. was Joe Joe Nation. I'll never yep. forget that. He was a yep. assemblyman out of the Marin area. Yeah, yeah, no question about that. We we were able to kill that bill because, yep. fortunately, before it was even heard, because we had a bunch of major donors to his campaign that were dove hunters. Yeah, so we yep. got there got them go. with him in his district office, and he pulled the bill. But yeah, uh,
3: there you go. That yeah. doesn't and
1: happen very often.
3: Yeah, and right. there was a compromise done in in the season. Where, as you all know now, in the old days, the dove season was 30 days and 30 days. Yeah. To compromise so less doves would be taken, 15 days now and 45 days on the back half. Right. So. Yeah, but I that mean,
1: wasn't done in the legislation. I mean, the bill. The no, bill, that was fishing.
3: Yeah. Right. That was. Yeah, a, that was an administrative decision. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right.
0: You know, that, that's crazy to me that they would even propose a bill that would take away, arguably, one of the biggest. Uh, hunting traditions out there in Southern California. That's for sure. I mean,
3: Steve, you know. Well, it'd be devastating to a county like Imperial. Yeah. And there's the yep. politics of it. See, that's you would go to that legislator and go, hey, this is how many millions come yeah. into your Your county. local
0: economy. I mean, sure. think about the hotel rooms, sure. think about the restaurants, yeah. all of that stuff. You know, the local business. Oh, yeah. it, it's an incredible industry down there for 45 days, accumulative, right, for the seasons and whatnot. But, I mean, even, it just blows my mind that, uh, uh, I mean, these are these are family traditions, you know. Opening day every year, families get together and they go down, and fathers, daughters, sons, grandfathers. But Brandon, you know, that's
3: part of the problem. I don't know that somebody from Los Angeles could care less about. That. I know, but it's that's a pretty so, little dude. bird of peace. And I think that that's part of where we're at here. And is it, that we've got emotions running, Bill? You know, talked about this earlier. We have people making decisions that not only don't have a vested interest in it, but they know nothing about it. Right.
0: That so. it, it's, just a, it's just a sad thing, you know, that we, we got individuals, you know, basically lobbying on the other side, trying to take all of these traditions away from people. You know, that's like stripping people of their culture. And when you really look down, you know, you know, it, you know that's kind of what's going on.
3: We
4: just yeah, you, you, got you to get out the there. We got to get out there and just, sorry to cut you off. We got to get out there and just help spread that word. Well, hopefully, we're you know, doing our part here. Yeah, you know, I mean, this, well, you
1: know what's frustrating about that, guys, is, is if we were to, if, if the rural community, if you will, were to go and try to take away some of the things that the urban folks yes care about, right, we would be called every name right. in the book.
2: Oh, right I mean, doubt. Yep.
1: It, yep, but but yet they'll go over and and do that to us, and huh. not just just. Frustrates straight out of Seems yeah. pretty
0: familiar with the, the headlines. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, yeah. I feel like you're absolutely right. Yeah. Well, that, it's a bummer, and, and and we're just happy that we got guys like you um, up there lobbying on behalf of us. I mean, it's a, yeah. it's a, a good thing that you're doing. Yeah. Um, John was actually, uh, we were talking about this the other day, and we were actually talking about how are we going to bring this up to you because there's an issue that me and him both, we feel pretty strongly about, and um, it's the fact that we can't, Conceal carry, uh, yeah. during archery season for deer. And, and it was a question, it, why is that? You know, like, do you have any insight on that?
1: Well, if you're a game warden and you know, you can't tell the difference between a bullet hole or a broadhead hole. <laughs>
3: Agreed. Right? Yeah. Agreed.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like, come on. And, yeah. and I've made that comment, you know, directly to the chief, you know, it's like, come on. I mean, and, and I, I actually have some friends of mine that are retired wardens. And they'll tell you the same thing. They're going, if you've got a warden that, that can't make that case, then yeah. he should be doing something besides being a game warden. Right. You know, right. We're working on that, guys. Okay. You know, and, and, and I'll tell you that that will that'll be changed.
4: It's just so funny how it, it reads. Yeah. It says, you know, you can have a pistol on you as long as you're not archery deer hunting.
0: Right. <laughs> so if you, were, if you were running around with a, a Thule elk tag yeah. in your pocket, and you had a bow, arguably one of the hardest tags to grab, in the state of California, and you're bow hunting, and right? You per- and
4: you had a permit. Yeah, you you could and have your, a... your concealed carry permit. Yeah,
0: you, you could literally carry a pistol with you.
3: Correct?
1: Yeah. And yeah, that, we're working... Yeah. We're, and CRPA, just, speaking of uh, partners, you know, CRPA, just, yeah, just they have mind their own blowing. staff lobby.
3: Yeah, I mean,
4: good. Sometimes when I... I go out by myself quite a bit, and, you know, and I do have mountain lion encounters, and they're really close ones, and sometimes it's... Uh, it's a scary prospect. It's a scary prospect right. when you're having to jump for your bow, and that's all you got in a knife. Yeah, and you're wishing you. Uh,
0: you know what the count are? Had your firearm with you. But this is like the count. Like me and John feel very uh, in lined on this. We both feel the same way. But Steve, I want to say that you've told us that I don't think you've seen one, right? No. Steve has been hunting for
3: how many years? All my life in Southern California, in, in, but a lot of other their, their places, too. Their heads are this too. big
4: when you're this close yeah. to you. Yeah. In, I, in, uh, <laughs> what they're
3: talking about, Bill, is I've, I've never seen a, a mountain lion while hunting. I've seen maybe three driving, but I've never, uh-huh. in all my life, I've spent in these mountains here in, in the Sierras and everywhere in California. I'm 72. I have never seen a mountain lion in the wild. Well, Steve is also... You
1: know, I would be willing to bet that you're probably more... You know, I, I I think that's probably the case for a lot
4: of
0: hunters out there. Oh yeah, sure, right? it is. Sure, it is, and I'm not discrediting that. Oh, yeah. I'm not. I, I just, had
4: that. I had two of them in the same season. Yeah, I I mean, two different locations. Well, oh, I can name lots of friends that yeah. have had encounters. Yeah, it's it, not me. It's just <laughs> cra- It's crazy, scary sometimes when you're yeah sitting on your butt and it walks up to you. It's, you know,
0: and you know the counter argument is this: you know, you if it's going to get you, it's going to get you. Right. You just want I'd that like to be able mind. to fight back a little. Better. You want, you want yes. the peace of mind. <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. You know, you want the peace of mind. It, it's crazy. Yeah. So, so yeah. basically Bill, what you're saying is, is it being worked on currently? Correct. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. I worked Good. Coordinated with CRPA on that. I think we'll eventually change
0: that. righty. Cool. Um, I kind of want to talk a little waterfowl with you.
1: Well, talk ducks. His favorite. Talk ducks. <laughs> yeah, <they laughs> like I don't ducks. know if it's my favorite, but I
3: love it. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, d- ducks, uh, I cut my teeth hunting hunting upland game and ducks and, and um, waterfowl, and, it, and it's just, I kind of hold it close to me. And I kind of oh, yeah. just, I see, I mean, I haven't been waterfowl hunting very long, right? In I think eight or nine years I've been doing it. And um, I've seen a change in our wildlife refuges over those years. I've seen it, and it's not in a good way. And I don't know if you necessarily have any insight on that, but, you know, what it, like how does how does the commission look at the wildlife rescue re- the refuges like what are they what are their take on them right do you have any idea of that
1: you know the commission doesn't really get engaged on on what's going on on the wildlife areas that's normally i mean obviously wildlife areas are state areas i mean the department of fish and wildlife makes those calls the refuges or you know fish and wildlife service although the state you know runs most of the waterfowl hunting programs on even the federal refuges, but the commission doesn't really get engaged when it comes to the wildlife areas with the exception of what they call the lands package, which is a big package that, that deals with all kinds of fishing game or fish and wildlife, I should say, lands. And in that package will be buried things like you can hunt this here, that there, da da right? In fact, we just, just adopted one of those, at last week's meeting. But that's the only level that the uh, commission gets involved with. And that package is so massive that very rarely will the commission go in there and, and pull something out now. And then, uh, Steve, I'm sure you work with the San Diego County Wildlife Federation, yep. right? Yep. And then, uh, you know, Gary Brennan and their leadership, all, all good friends of mine. And in the Lance package that was just adopted by the commission last week, we did get some good stuff in there, like, you know, extended crow season on, on Hollenbeck Canyon and, and so yep. forth. That yep. was brought forth by the San Diego County Wildlife Federation, yes. right? Yes. You know, but there was really nothing in that package that I saw, at least, and nobody brought something to my attention either, where the the state was trying to propose that, to take some hunting away. That's the kind of stuff, I mean, if there's something like that, somebody's got to tell me. Yes. Right. And and that's how I knew about Hollenbeck Canyon it was because Gary came to me and said, hey, we need your help. You know, I mean, so if, if we have our eyes wide open, I mean, a lot of times we can, if nothing else, have a good discussion as yeah. to why is the department proposing this? And if they don't have good rationale, well, then with this commission, chances are that we can we can get we can defeat it. Right. But of course, unless we know about it, you know, then it, it's hard to have anything. you know any kind of an impact
3: yeah gary's a good man yeah Um, what you
1: got going on down there you mentioned something on one of the wildlife areas which one is that now
3: actually it's barrett lake and as you're probably and may be aware that you know san diego city had a great hunting and fishing program world-class bass fishing i mean Mm -hmm. you know well world-renowned and that has gone down the tubes they are now taking days away from us per week uh, or per uh per month um less days now hunting and fishing and that's our issue is the biggest issue we have and i have talked to gary about this and uh, uh-huh. i mean we're actively gonna fight it but they they want to discontinue duck hunting it at, at uh, barrett lake which has been oh i think 80 years of hunting there and then bass fishing they took one day a month off of each lake so our lakes are open three days a week. They, uh, each month, we lost one day per, per week to that. And now they're, they're suggesting that they're going to take another day a week off and Sutherland turkey hunting and Barrett and Sutherland, perhaps, no fishing at all. They'll just wow. continue fishing. So, I mean, it's a major hit for any sportsman in San Diego County and that's counties. the city that's doing that right? the city is doing this yes right so it there's well there's part of the problem and that's what i suggested earlier is, you know it says call in but you've got to give them a, a city zip code if, like i live in the county so i can't even leave a message now we have we're figuring ways to get around that to right. a certain degree, but
1: well, what but, about the city council meetings? I mean, do you, yeah. you packing that place. Yeah, that
3: that's where it's that's where it's headed, um, Bill. I mean, that's where I would I would, I would line going. them up there, Steve. Yep. I yep. mean,
1: you know, and, and not only that, but I mean, next election cycle. Yes. You know, I mean, let them know that that's an issue that's going to drive your vote one way or another. Right. You know.
3: Right. And th- and that's the direction. I mean, like I said, me and Gary have talked about this, and that's you know. But that's on a local level. I mean, it's on a local yeah, level. Yeah, that,
0: that's a local yeah. level issue. Yeah. It, it's just good to kind of get the word out. It it's just one of those things, like Steve had said. Like Steve couldn't get his voice across, even if he tried. If he called, right, even right. if it was heard, say that say the receptionist heard it. He he or she isn't even going to pass it on because yeah. the zip he lives out of the zip code, right? So that yeah. that kind of ties back into the to the legislator in the state. The, these individuals out of different districts are making. Uh, regulations for individuals that they don't even represent right i mean they do on right. a big scale but they don't they're not taking into consideration the folk in the out of out of the inner city put it that way right so it's just it's just one of those things where it's just it's i don't know i i it's like when you dive into it you go down a rabbit hole
1: But, you you know, and and they do the same thing at the Capitol. If somebody calls in to to weigh in on a bill and they're going to ask, you know, whether you're a constituent or not before they even talk to you. You know, but but if Steve goes down there at that city council, you know, meeting and and brings 10 of his buddies and they all sit their butts in one of those seats and suddenly you got two, three hundred people down there calling BS on this. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to have time to ask whether you live here or there, right? right I mean, they right. really won't know. I just packed that place. What about local businesses? I mean, what about the local gun shops and and, and, and fishing shops and
3: so yeah. forth? I mean, well, get well, them in
1: there and let them talk about the, the, I'll, I'll the economic give, impact. Yeah,
3: I'll give you one, Bill. So they this last year, they decide, the city council decided to eliminate one day per month. I just told you that. Right. There right. wasn't one single call coming in protesting that and my first question was to people where are the bass clubs i mean these guys all bass fish in all these lakes i mean used to be able to when hodges had its opening day there were hundreds of people fishing this place now bill there's a handful and maybe maybe we're just losing it as a society hunters and fishermen but that's part of the problem we have very little representation and Maybe people just don't care as much. I mean, I'm I'm coming to this reality that not one single phone call came in when we lost that one day per week, and now they're asking for another, and they want to close down two lakes we get to fish. So you know what rolls downhill, and that's what they they they're saving money is what they're saying. It's part of the new budget, and
2: and
0: what a what a coincidence to do it during the COVID
3: nineteen. Yeah, well, it actually started last. Well, year. Well,
0: I'm just saying they're pushing it, and it's like you're saying they're going to do more, and it's like now more than ever, individuals aren't going to protest it.
3: Yeah, you know, well, they're not even getting out. I mean, there, there's a lot more to the the city budget than what we're talking about right well, yeah, here, and why absolutely. they're upside down by 400 million. Right. But anyway, um, yeah. So that I mean, we're, we're like I said, Bill. I mean, this the first one slid through without anybody, and I know people have been calling already, and so. You know we're working on it on a local basis, but this is just part of that chip, 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 chip effect. Yeah, I think everybody
0: in all the local districts, you know, or or just locally in general, uh, everyone faces their own local issues, right? And it's just, it's kind of a bummer because it all just mounds up. It's hard.
1: Chip away. Yep. absolutely. I mean Welcome to my world guys. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, Bill. You got lots of chips. We have to step
3: up. Yeah. Yeah. We have to step
4: up and do our part. I mean, that's it comes back to what I was saying earlier that I've noticed, you know, this whole yeah this whole podcast has been kinda eye opening for the the legislative side of hunting for yeah, me, because like absolutely. I said, I've just been hunt, 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 and hunt. Yep. and now you and now it's to like it. to the point of you know I need to be joining these other groups or right. join my favorite yeah. groups, right? And give them you know my support and my money. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
0: Well, well, listen before before we roll this out, I kind of or before we end this out, I kind of want to go over one more thing. You know, we've kind of been sure. talking and it's kind of been doom and gloom. You know, and 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 what. I mean, hopefully on your end, you're going to be able to tell us a little something about the hunting future. Like, do we got anything good coming down the pipe? You know what I mean? Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, do we have a glimpse of hope of getting any of this stuff back?
1: Yeah, I, I, I would never say no. I mean, you know, I think for example, on bears, I mean, one of my goals is, you know, I'm going to die trying to get hounds back. So that's for darn sure. And, and, you know, we, we, we're doing a variety of things to try to move in that direction. At the Same time, we've got to you know watch our flank for, for a bill that just flat out you know rips away our ability to hunt bears. Period, with or without hounds, right? right? You know, but I you know it all boils down to education, you know, and, and just and the more times we see bears swimming in people swimming pools in L.A. and stuff like that, the more you know public safety issues we have, you know, the more people are going to finally wake up and go, holy smokes. You know, so right. I mean, we need to educate people about, you know, why we need to manage our wildlife, whether you're talking bears, wolves, right. mountain lions, whatever, you know. But yeah, no, I, th- I, think, I think we can definitely, you know, every year, you know, for example, this year, you know, of course, now everything's on hold right now. We're supposed to go back to the Capitol next Monday, the 4th of May, but we'll see what happens with that. But uh, I mean, we always push positive legislation, too. I mean, we've got a bill in the hopper right now that, that's supposed to be heard. You know, when we come back, we'll find out if that happens or not. AB 2299, which would be, you know, mandating that the director of the Department of Fish and Wildlife, you know, has two free hunting days every year. One in the spring and then one in the fall. Yeah, I mean, we do, yes. do that with fishing. Yes. Right? You know, why shouldn't we do that with hunting? I mean, we got to build our numbers. You know, we R3, you guys have heard about R3, recruitment, retention, and reactivation. You know, recruit yep. new hunters, retain the ones you have, and reactivate the ones you lost right build our numbers
2: how, how right would, i
1: mean
0: how would you do the free hunting for two days did i hear that correctly
3: yes
1: yeah, like you did. That's, no, absolutely here well we wrote the bill and it, it's very specific you know a that the person that was going to get the free hunting day it, it has to be somebody that, that has passed the hunter safety court has this hunter safety certificate but has never bothered to buy a license we have a lot of people that do that they'll they'll take the course so they've got their certificate, all they have to do is go out and spend the money, and they can have the hunting license. But they don't do it. And when you when you think of hunting, though, guys, I mean, it, it's it there's barriers to entry. I mean, if I had never yes. hunted ducks for, I, I, you could pick a species, but I mean, ducks for example. If you've never hunted ducks, you're going, holy cow! Yeah. How do I do it? What do I do? I can't call. I don't know where to go. Yep. You know, all, all I don't have the equipment. Blah blah blah. You could pick any species, and there's major barriers to entry. So what this does is it it has people that have got enough interest to take the hunter safety course. You know, and it allows them if they've got their hunter safety cert to go out with a mentor, and that's somebody that's over 21 that's had a valid license for the past three years, right? And and he can actually go out and he can hunt for for one day. So you get them out there, you know, you, you show them how it's done. That they have a good time, and you know, next day they go out and they buy their hunting license. Right. You know, there's other stipulations to make sure that, that you know it, it's safe and it's sane, right? Right. You know, but it, but it, that's just one of the uh, one of the recruitment you know mechanisms that we've got going on. Like we've done a lot of stuff with, with the youth hunting. We had the we raised the youth the junior license you know age to seventeen and under a couple of years ago. That it, so we got to pass subsequent legislation to keep it that way. But that you know, with all the youth hunts they have now, they didn't have those when I was a kid. They've right, got yeah. some really sweet youth hunting yeah, opportunity out there that either the organizations or the Department of Fish and Wildlife and stuff that are doing. So we're doing a lot of stuff, a lot of positive, proactive stuff, you know, to try to get more people in the field, right? right? So yeah, good. no, I mean, there's hope. There's okay. hope, guys. That's, there is hope. That's great. So so. Uh,
4: well,
3: good
0: deal. Yeah that yeah. that uh, that pretty much wraps up all my questions, Steve. You got yeah.
3: anything? Nope, I just want to thank Bill for what he does. That's, yeah, thanks, that's, Bill. That's, it's been uh,
4: eye-opening for me. So, yeah. Sorry to cut you off, Steve. Uh, let, me <laughs> no? you a,
1: let me give you my uh, my email address in case any of your listeners have questions, whatever they're welcome to, okay. yeah. to shoot me an email. Absolutely. But it's pretty straightforward. It's Bill at net gains And gainsandassociates. And, and Associates, let me spell it out for you. It's G-A-I-N-E-S-A-N-D-A-S-S-O-C-I-A-T-E-S. Dot net. So yeah, they're they're welcome to shoot me a question or whatever they have. We'd be happy to answer them. For them. But I, I mean, let me leave your listeners with this: Holy smokes, you've got to get engaged if you yeah. like to hunt. You got to get engaged in the politics of hunting, or, or it won't be there for our, for our kids. Absolutely. Can, can I add uh, one
3: thing to that, Bill? Uh, absolutely. Hunters and fishermen have been in different camps, basically my entire life. We need to be together, right? Hunters and fishermen. There's there's many more fishermen than there are hunters. If you know fishermen, they're basically just hunting too. They're hunting for fish. So right. they need to get engaged as well because they're after them too, by the way, MLPA. So, oh, yes, they are. Well, you, not only that, uh,
1: but I mean, you, oh. yeah, we can go on and on and
3: on. Yeah. Guys, yeah.
1: we're going to have to do another podcast because yeah. that's a whole different topic, and we're making good progress on that. I will tell you right now that the, the – Hunting organizations are working more closely with the fishing organizations now than ever. Because we realize exactly what you just said. There's like four times as many fishermen in the state as
3: there is hunters in the state. Right. Right. Right, right, right so, so. All
4: right. anyway yeah, let's we'll take yep. uh bill up i don't know yeah no we're gonna have to take uh, him up on that offer few months maybe yeah we'll, we'll, we'll
0: get you back on and ha- have some in-depth conversation again well listen bill we we got you on and, and we're pumped we did we got some good information out there for our listeners i think it's very informative um i'm pretty happy with the way it went man i uh i i just can't do anything more but to thank you for what you do and and thank you for yep. uh coming on here and spreading the word bud
4: Yep. Thank you very yeah. much, Bill. Yeah, Bill. Thanks for uh opening my eyes up some more, helping build the fire.
3: Nice talking you know. to you, Bill.
1: Uh, yeah, appreciate so. the opportunity, guys. Anytime, and I mean that anytime.
3: Yep. All
0: righty, Bill. We appreciate right. it, man. Thank you very much. I'll reach out to you here in a few days.
1: All right. You All right. bet. Look forward to hearing from you. All, All right, righty, Thanks, bud. Bill. Thank have you. Good night. All right, gentlemen. You have a good evening. All right. 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 Bye
0: bye. Wow, that was good. That yeah. was uh He's that
1: was a good... eye opening.
4: I mean, it makes because that's what I was thinking about was the, yeah. you know, it's like you get to the age of
3: yeah, you have to do something. <laughs> right. yeah. I hear you. Amen, you know what brother. I mean? I mean, look <laughs> <This is laughs> at Steve over here. Yeah. yeah. 72. But, yeah. Yeah. But it's like, so,
4: you know, you can't, you know, as much as you want to stay in the field, you can't, right. you have to start, you know, taking we, that knowledge. We, we
3: all hate politics. Yeah. Let's yeah. be honest here. Yeah, We do. We, we hate politics. We hate even the thought of it. But folks... We have to be engaged. If we're not, then it's not going to affect my life at all. I mean, i have already spent a, an entire life of hunting and fishing. Yeah, right. it's going to cost you guys all right. the younger people, guys that are 21. I don't want to talk politics, hey friend. You're going to, to have to talk it. politics, and yeah, and I mean, I'm not going to get the specifics of who we should vote for, but it's if you do your homework, you're going to see there's a real trend of our two parties, <laughs> right? And so. Do your homework and make yeah. your own decision, but you'll see what I'm talking about now. And so, it, we're again, Bill is an optimistic guy. I've known Bill for a long, long time. He did great things with CWA. Now he's doing work for all of us, yeah, for, for every walk of hunter. He really is. Yes. And, and he's the right man for the job. And hey, I mean, can you imagine how frustrated it is for him? In Sacramento, yeah. When the, I almost said I almost said the D word oh. that are control totally controlled Sacramento, yeah. Yep. And that's and that's what our problem is it is I mean, we're up against it like that. And so anyway, it I really I, appreciate
4: yep. it. It's uh, yeah. all I can say is you guys hear this, think about you know, think about everything, and yeah, find a favorite organization whether it's turkey hunting, waterfowl, deer. Yeah. I can you know. I can
3: tell you here locally, NWTF is very politically minded. We are we have meetings every month, right. a fourth Tuesday of every month. Now, obviously, uh, we haven't had one for a while, right. but we will get back to them. And uh, actually, uh, tomorrow night we're going to have a Zoom. I, I'm not up on all this, you know, you guys, young stuff, but we do have a meeting tomorrow on at six o'clock. Uh, it's on Zoom. You can you can catch it. Um, on uh, com, find out when you check in or whatever you do cwa california waterfowl association is very political they have been they hired bill many years ago because they knew in sacramento that that's where these decisions are made for right. a lot of this kind of stuff that affect us waterfowl hunters and so th- if you're gonna or- belong to an organization and i'm not Bad mouthing Ducks Unlimited, but they're a national company. Right. Whereas CWA is is a California state association. Right. And NWTF is a national company or a a, a conservation group. Right. But locally, we do a lot politically and and for our local people of San Diego County. Uh, Well, it doesn't include just San Diego. Anybody wants to come from Orange County or Imperial or Riverside. Um, So. There, there's some good groups. Get involved is the biggest is the biggest thing I can say. Right, is get involved. So,
0: so basically, if you wanna if you wanna fight the pintail fight, you <laughs> go to uh, the National Wildlife Federation.
3: No, you you, you support CWA because okay, they so are they are the ones that are putting up the model to increase our pintail uh, bag two three or whatever right. it is. The at the national level, that's U.S. Fish and Wildlife. Okay. And they do it on the the consensus of mallards in Central America, which is crazy. I mean, we have our own flyway here. We have a Pacific flyway. Right. We have I I don't know the number exactly. I think it's seventy percent of the, all pintail winter in California. Right. Or on the west coast. And yet we're allowed one pintail. Yeah. Texas is the same. Florida is the same. They're allowed one yeah. pintail, too, and they don't have any.
0: Because it's a federal level. Or, or well, it's a Texas, issue. Does. Yeah. Texas
3: most certainly does. But I can go to Mexico and shoot 15 a day. Oh, yeah. You can
0: dump them all. Yeah, yeah. Man.
3: and And Canada, eight a day.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. We're well, now. listen, Steve. Four a day. So. Anyway. We appreciate you coming on. Yep. I mean, it's Thank always you. great to have your insight. And yep. uh, Thank you for having you know, me. Thanks, guys, yeah. for tuning in. Uh, yep. likes, thanks. Like, support, subscribe, tell your buddies. All right, guys? Thanks.
4: Yeah. Don't forget. Join up an organization. Yep. Support hunting. Yep. Support fishing. Yep.